The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our discussion on how brand fits into your marketing strategy and operations. Joining us is Lindsay Peterson, who is a brand strategist and the owner of Ironclad Brand Strategy, which is a consultancy that uses a scientific growth driving approach to brand strategy development to help leaders unlock business growth through brand positioning. Lindsay is also the author of a best-selling book called Forging an Ironclad Brand. And yesterday, Lindsay told us about where brand building should fit into your marketing priorities. And today, she's going to walk us through her scientific approach to brand positioning. All right, here's the rest of my conversation with Lindsay Peterson, brand strategist at Ironclad Brand Strategy. Lindsay, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me, Ben. It's good to have you back. Yesterday, we covered a lot of ground, and we see eye to eye on a lot here in terms of the importance of brand, in terms of where it fits into the landscape, and just to reiterate some of the things that we said mostly at the end of the podcast, brand is the foundation that goes under your marketing activities and operations. It's what you need to know about your company and your customers and the overlap between the two to effectively pick your channels and your marketing strategy. Now, you've got an approach to building a brand positioning platform, a scientific approach. I want to hear some science out of you. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about your approach and how do you go about brand positioning? You got it. So some background here is that a lot of my clients are CEOs and particularly CEOs of like series A, series B startups. And one thing that CEOs are allergic to is kind of squishy, like hocus pocusy, unquantifiable things that they can't talk to their investors yes. and say, I put in X and I got Y and it happened in Z timeframe. Exactly. Like they get real itchy about that. And I relate to that, actually. I don't, I've never been somebody who like the muse visits to give this incredible idea. So to me, the idea of this hocus pocus, purely creative idea is kind of disempowering. And it's particularly disempowering to my audience people who like it to be kind of from coming from a left brain perspective. 
And since I too come from that perspective, it was important to me to have like a methodical way of approaching brand building. One, because that's the way that I can do it. That's the only way I know how to do it. And two, because my audience is more able to embrace it if I'm being methodical about it. So I developed a series of frameworks that helped me to build the brand idea, but also to help me pressure test it to ensure that I'm getting it really crystallized. I think that what you're talking about is early stage founders a lot of the times are allergic to anything that requires investment with no tangible outcome. And honestly, a lot of the times brand has been used as a bullshit excuse for marketers to try to validate what they're doing. Hey, I had this idea. I didn't put in any sort of attribution or thought into the tracking. So we did these activities. We spent a lot of money. Why did we do it? Uh, the brand. We can't be tracked. And you're <laughs> yeah. saying, yeah, that's kind of crap. And you got a process for saying, okay, here's how we figure out and determine the, not necessarily the value of the brand, but there's a methodology that goes into evaluating your brand. Talk me through your process. So I have an eight-step process to brand building, and I describe this in my book, but it's also the process that I use when I'm working with my clients. And it starts, I'm going to like brush through the first two steps, and then I'm going to get to kind of the middle of it. The first step, and probably the one that seems the easiest, but often is the most psychologically tricky, is orienting. So defining exactly who your target customer is or who you really want to serve and overserve. And the corollary to that is what is that person's present way of solving the problem that you solve? What is their frame of reference? Not just who is your direct competitor, but what's the behavior that you compete with from the point of view of this customer. So that's your sweet spot. That's your target customer. And the second step is to listen. So to get inside the head of these customers, to get inside the life of these customers, to understand what's it like to experience this problem that your offering solves. What keeps this person up at night? How are they wired? What makes them tick? What do they care about? What do they value? And to really cultivate empathy for this person who really is the reason your company exists. So those are the first two steps. The third step I take is this framework that I'm going to tell you about. It's called the Uncommon Denominator Framework. And this is a Venn diagram that reveals differentiating themes that you can then start to develop. So if you picture a Venn diagram, you've got three circles and one circle is your customer. What does your customer want? What is this person who you've been talking to saying that they need? So that's one circle and you're inventorying everything that you know. The second circle is your competitor and that includes substitutes, includes direct competitors. It also includes workaround solutions or behaviors that you compete with. And you name what are the good things about that? What are the things that are really strong about your competitor? And then the third circle is your company. And in here, you're inventorying what are the things that your company is really good at? And you just can throw everything in there. So the cool thing about this Venn diagram is that you'll notice there are two interesting overlaps. The first, the very center of the Venn diagram is the overlap of what does the customer want? What are we good at? And what is our competitor good at? And that's table stakes. That's the category benefit. That's the cost of entry for even talking to these customers. I call that the common denominator. But if you look at the overlap right above that, which is the overlap of what your customer wants, 
what your company is good at and what your competitor is not good at. That overlap between what the customer wants and what you are uniquely good at, those are the things that you actually do care about. And those are the things that are potential positioning themes. The most common error that I see in brand building. So if you look at this Venn diagram, the center of it, the common denominator, that's where most people stop. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. So, Lindsay, give me an example here. Let's use, I don't know, a pancake brand. My family had pancakes for breakfast this morning. Give me an example of finding the uncommon denominator for pancakes. So, your family is the target customer. So, we're getting inside the head of the purchaser in your family And we're identifying the things that you or your partner care about and are looking for when shopping for pancakes. So tell me what you want. Pancakes are accessible. They're not expensive. They're easy to make. They're fluffy and they're delicious. Awesome. Tell me about Aunt Jemima and Duncan Hines and Bisquick that your competitors, what's good about them? I like that Aunt Jemima has an icon that seems like it's a homemade recipe. And I don't really know much about the other ones, but we buy Aunt Jemima. Lovely. Okay. And you can probably find Aunt Jemima in pretty much any any store. And it's an accessible price point and they're delicious. And you have warm, fuzzy feelings toward the iconography on the package. So my pancake brand... These pancakes are delicious. I use a recipe that was handed down from my Swedish grandmother. They're really fast to make. They're crispy. They're thin. They're kind of a special, kind of an extraordinary pancake. They're not exactly like other pancakes. Okay, so we've got our Venn diagram. And in the center of that Venn diagram is delicious. 
You wanted something delicious. The competitor provides something delicious and our pancake is delicious. That's great, but don't pat yourself on the back, pancake person, because you're a pancake, you should be delicious. That is table stakes. Sorry, Aunt Jemima. Sorry, Aunt Jemima. (laughs) When you own the category, if nobody else competes with you, then maybe you can just be the category benefit. But for those of us who don't own the category, we need to focus on something that our customer wants, but that only we provide. So in that example, you want something kind of special and I provide something kind of special. It's this kind of Swedish pancake experience. So I'm going to lean into that. That can be the uncommon denominator. If you focus on the delicious, which is the category benefit, then you are probably generating demand for delicious pancakes, which includes you, but you're not disproportionately creating demand for your business. You're creating demand for pancakes, which again, that's fine if you own the category, but if you have a limited budget and you need to be generating demand for your offering alone, then you need to be shining the spotlight on the thing that only you bring. I see what you're saying in the sense of you're talking about what's your point of differentiation, right? If every pancake brand can claim to be delicious and you say you're a delicious pancake, there really is no differentiation. If you say you're a delicious Swedish style pancake, Aunt Jemima is not going to say that. So it allows you to be unique. And that's what you should play into as your what you're calling the uncommon denominator. Yes, because the whole point is differentiation. That's the key to a thriving business. That's really the purpose of brand. If you're stopping at delicious, then you're stopping short of the very reason that you do this, which is to create not just demand for the category, but to create distinctive value for your business in a way that only you can attract. I understand the point of differentiation and why that is so important. Obviously, you want to separate yourself from your competitive set. But at what point have you seen brands focus on differentiation to the point of their detriment? At what point, if we're marketing a Swedish pancake brand and our customers don't want Swedish pancakes, do we start harming our value proposition? So another reason that I love the Venn diagram is you're also identifying the things that you are not going to focus on. So there are going to be some of those things in your circle that are strengths as a company circle. Like I said, they're quick to make. They're really thin. The customer doesn't really care about that. So that's something that is differentiated, but is not relevant. So I'm not going to focus on the fact that we're really thin and that we're really quick to make because turns out the customer doesn't care about that. But when you find something that the customer does want, this specialness, and they do like the Swedish recipe that you alone provide, and they're buying that, then you double down on that. Now, if they're not buying it, then that just means that your hypothesis was wrong or that you need to go deeper to inventory the circle of what the customer wants. You need to understand them better to get at kind of a more subtle level of what is it that they're yearning for when they're deciding what pancakes to purchase or to make. Lindsay, last question for you. As you're thinking about brand and positioning and you're trying to figure out what your uncommon denominator is, how do you evaluate if what you're doing from a brand perspective is actually performing the way you want it to and adding value to the business? Thank you for asking that. I have a lot of heart for this idea of brand and trying to put a number on the value that it creates. It's the big problem why people don't invest in brand. It's untrackable, right? It's this amorphous thing. Well, 
I'm going to argue, I don't think it's untrackable. I just think that it's hard to track today that you actually need a longer period of time to assess the impact that it's made. Whereas a Facebook campaign, you almost instantaneously can learn what was successful. So here's three ways to think about this. Number one is since brand is what you stand for, it's ultimately what's the strategy of the business. So the way that you can evaluate whether your brand strategy is working is, are you accomplishing your business goal? If not, then your brand actually isn't working hard enough for you. A second way that actually is more numerical is customer lifetime value. So is your top line growing as a result of your brand? If you didn't do a brand strategy and then you did do a brand strategy in the after stage, after you have a brand strategy in place, you should see your customer lifetime value increasing because you're targeting the customers for whom you bring the most value and who have the highest latent demand and willingness to pay for what you're selling and to remain loyal to it. So you're going to increase your top line. And then the last way of thinking about it, probably the smallest way, but the one that often gets analytical people like my clients psyched, is that you're lowering your customer cost of acquisition. So when you're going after the right people with the right message, it will be easier to attract them with the same amount of money. You're going to, with the same amount of money, you should be able to attract more customers to create more value. So that's the bottom line rationale for brand strategy. I am a huge fan of everything you're talking about. I believe in the power of the brand. And I think that one of the most challenging things that early stage founders face is the recognition that marketing takes time to cultivate. And specifically that building an impactful and powerful brand is something worth investing in for the long run. And if you don't do it now, it's going to come bite you later. And Lindsay, everything that you're talking about fits right into that. So thank you for being my guest. Thank you for being on the MarTech podcast. It was such a treat, Ben. Thank you. Okay. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks to Lindsay Peterson, brand development strategist at Ironclad Brand Strategy for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lindsay, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send her a tweet at Lindsay C. Peterson, no N, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-C-P-E-D-E-R-S-E, no N. Or you can visit her website, which is ironcladbrandstrategy.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. Head over to our website, which is martechpod.com, M-A-R-T-E-C-H, pod.com where we have summaries of our episodes contact information for our guests you can also subscribe for our once a week newsletter it's a summary of all of the episodes that we've sent out during the week or you could send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions which we'll answer live on our show of course you can always reach out on social media our handle is martechpod m-a-r-t-e-c-h-p-o-d on linkedin twitter facebook pretty much everywhere instagram too now or you can reach out to me personally. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we publish episodes every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.
Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.